This is Science by the Slice, a podcast from the University of Florida's Institute of Food and Agricultural Sciences Center for Public Issues Education. In this podcast, experts discuss the science of issues affecting our daily lives, reveal the motivations behind the decisions people make, and ultimately provide insight to solutions for our lives. Welcome to Science by the Slice. My name is Philip Stokes, Education Coordinator with the Pi Center, and you're listening to the third episode in our series, The Essential Worker. I'm sure many of you know that agriculture is a major contributor to the state economy of Florida and a major producer of many commodities. In fact, over 15,000 square miles of Florida is farmland approximately the size of Massachusetts and Connecticut combined. And many of Florida's leading crops, including strawberries, watermelons, bell peppers, and tomatoes, just to name a few, are very labor-intensive, and most of these are harvested by migrant and seasonal farm workers by hand. Between 150 and 200,000 migrant and seasonal farm workers and their families travel and work in Florida annually. In fact, it's estimated that about 33,000 workers are needed to pick tomatoes, and that's just one commodity. Clearly, farm workers are an essential part of the workforce in Florida and a major contributor when thinking about how food gets to our tables. And today, I speak with Neza Shutukutli, the General Coordinator and Principal Investigator for the Farmworker Association of Florida. My name is Nessa Chitikutli. I'm the General Coordinator of the Farmworker Association of Florida. I was born in Mexico and I grew up in, in South Carolina and North Carolina and uh, been in Florida since 2011. In 2016, I joined the association as part of the research team. I kind of told myself, you know, when, what I, the kind of work that I want is uh, something that will allow me to travel and something that will let me see the real Florida because um, I had been to Orlando a few times and, and I knew that the theme parks um, as much as revenue as they bring to the state uh, are not really the whole picture of what Florida is so I just wanted to see uh, something else something that allowed me to interact with with Floridians and um, lo and behold be careful what you ask for because <laughs> that's what I got uh, so I joined the team in 2016 and, and that has really brought me to almost every little rural corner of the state. Neza became the general coordinator in 2020 and has been in that role ever since. The Farmworker Association of Florida has a long-standing mission to build power among the farmworker and rural low-income communities. Established in 1983 in Orange County, Florida, the Farmworker Association is now statewide with offices in Pearson, Felsmere, Immokalee, Homestead, and Apopka, which is their headquarters. So now, let's pick back up with my conversation with Neza as I ask him about who the association serves. Hello, Neza. Thank you so much for joining us on the Pi Center's podcast, Science by the Slice. It's so great to have you with me today. Can you just tell us a little bit about um, who is your audience? Who are the individuals that you serve? You know, the Farm Workers Association has such an important role. So who is the audience that the Farm Workers Association serves? Um, we work primarily with farm workers um, 
and you know we, we have our five offices but they're not just uh, uh, farm workers who are in uh, those areas where our offices are located um, we are happy to help any farm workers throughout the state of Florida and we we started out as a membership organization so um, to be part of the farm workers association you become a member the membership takes the form of an ID that some uh, counties will accept as a form of identification so that that comes in really handy for uh, some of our uh, members who don't have um, uh, an immigration status but some uh, some communities um, will allow them to use those those membership cards as a form of ID. Uh, of course, that doesn't mean that their driver's licenses. Of course, they cannot use them to vote or anything like that. But you know, with access to uh, um, health centers, um, uh, just as a form of ID to to report crime or anything like that, you know, they, they can uh, they can use our membership cards. Uh, but we don't just serve farm workers. We also work with. Uh, we really work primarily in, in rural communities. But really, anybody who comes uh, to us looking for help, we won't turn them away if we have the resources to help them. Um, and also, as um, many farm workers start in agriculture and then move on to their industries, uh, primarily we see men moving into landscaping or uh, construction work, and, and uh, farm worker women moving to uh, either childcare or um, housekeeping. Then. Uh, we, you know, they continue being members of our organization, and often they continue being involved. So, uh, although we do work primarily with farm farm workers, um, our membership includes people in other industries. Yeah, yeah. So, what are some of the um, reasons why some people might come to the Farm Workers Association? What are some of the issues um, and concerns people may have within their occupational field? Um, well, a lot of them come because of that of that membership card because it is accepted as a form of IT. Um, but we also offer trainings uh, in in primarily heat and pesticide exposure, how to prevent it, uh, raise awareness among workers. Um, uh, we we also work with some growers, uh, going out to them and, and saying, hey, you know, we, we have these trainings and, and uh, we offer them to you at no cost. Uh, you know, it's just what we really want is to help. Uh, protect the workers and make sure that they know what they can do to protect themselves um, and, and also so that they know what what their rights are as workers um, but you know uh, we're happy to work with with employers too um, the last thing that we want to do is put workers out of work what we want to do is just make sure that they are uh, protected and that they know how to take care of themselves and that they feel confident asking for for those protections and advocating for themselves. You mentioned that some come in for that ID card because they may not be documented. Um, does that make up the majority of your membership? Um, at, at the national level, um, I understand that about a little over 50% of farm workers are undocumented, um, even though something like 75% of them are immigrant. Um, I, I think within our membership, um, within our membership, it's probably closer to that national average of immigrants who who come in looking for that I 
for that a membership card is a form of ID because they don't have an immigration status. Um, what are some of the other challenges that they face maybe in being undocumented? Well, one, one of them is not being able to get a driver's license, so they can't drive. Some um, do take the risk of, of driving without a driver's license, um, but some don't and they just, they, they have to pay somebody to drive them around to, to and from work. So that creates an additional expense that they may, it, it, that's happened, it creates a, a barrier to their access to other uh, to enjoy some of the amenities that, that our society offers uh, at large and you know even enjoying a leisure Sunday drive just becomes a, an obstacle. Um, they, they also have to pay somebody to drive into the grocery store and, and drive them back. Um, they um, uh, a lot of them don't make enough money there they live below the Poverty lines, so they, but because they're undocumented, they also don't qualify for uh, for Medicaid or any kind of, of uh, assistance from the federal government for for their uh, for their healthcare needs. Um, we are seeing more H two A workers, which are the, the guest workers, but uh, they I don't think most of them know it, but they do qualify and they're eligible for for um, getting insurance through the Affordable Care Act marketplace but but most most of them don't even know what that is uh, and then I would say that just just the mere fact of being undocumented prevents them um, from from speaking out for themselves just advocating for themselves because they fear that any kind of uh, any kind of issue they bring up might result in, in retaliation in, in being let go or being replaced not by another worker who is more willing to to do what's told and not speak out. Right, right. Yeah, it sounds like a number of challenges that if if you've never experienced that, if you've never been an immigrant, if you've never um, lived that, it's it's just hard to comprehend what that would be like. And so I can imagine, yeah, that would be difficult and also scary at times. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's what I'm seeing is, you know, probably one of the really great resources of the Farm Workers Association um, to provide some assistance there. Yeah. And you mentioned um, you do trainings on heat stress and uh, pesticide safety. Yeah. What are some of the the main activities, you know, besides those trainings that you offer to your members? Uh, we also hold community events and, and we do have a civic engagement program. So uh, uh, out of those trainings, we also hear from from our members or anybody who's coming to those trainings about the issues that they're facing at work. And then we invite them to be part of the uh, civic democratic process because we also hold candidate forums uh, and we do legislative visits. So whenever we have any of those events, we invite them to come and, and voice their concerns and their opinions. And uh, really, the the mission and vision of the association is for farm workers to, to build power among farm workers so that they advocate for themselves. Um, so I, I, I said earlier that the last thing we wanted to do is put um, workers out of work, but but our 
goal really is to put ourselves out of work <laughs> because we want for workers, for farm workers to be able to uh, advocate for themselves without the need of an organization like ours. So, you know, one topic um, that is kind of a common thread in this podcast series that we're doing on agricultural health and safety is the disconnection between people and their food. Um, and that includes the people that harvest and plant and grow the food as well. So what is it that you would like the listeners to know here today? What would you like them to know about the work and the risks and the hazards? So kind of just to help sort of provide a full picture of what this livelihood and what this work looks like. Yeah, I think that the first thing I would want to say is that it's really hard work. Um, um, you know, it probably doesn't come as a surprise to anybody, but uh, but but it is hard work, uh, and they spend a lot of time outside. And just like uh, just like being outside, if you're going out camping or spending any time uh, doing outside, you, you really are exposed to the elements. So uh, I think that is just something that uh, I feel like sometimes doesn't get enough attention. We, we often talk in uh, organization about uh, heat exposure. And it is one of the biggest uh, threats that we work with. Um, the latest statistic I have is that farm workers are 35%, not 35%, uh, 35 times more likely to die of um, uh, heat stroke than workers in other occupations. Um, but working outside, they're also exposed to rain, lightning, uh, smoke, and uh, of course, uh, through the wind, they, they sometimes also get exposed to pesticide through pesticide drift. Um, and uh, I, I want to go back to smoke because we, we often hear about uh, uh, fires, forest fires taking place in, in out west in, in California or Colorado, places like that. But, but we also do get forest fires in Florida. And because they're not of the same scale that we see out west, doesn't mean that, that they're not producing a significant amount of smoke that uh, farm workers sometimes just without even realizing it are breathing it in. And that can lead to, to respiratory illnesses later on. Right. Yeah, you know, I would think that, um, I, w I would assume, and, I, and I'd like to get your input on this, but I would assume that sometimes health kind of gets put aside uh, because, you know, your main motivation is going to be doing your job so you can, you can collect your paycheck and so you can provide for your family and, and for whoever you're providing for. And a lot of times, if, if you don't, if you're not proactive and take preventative measures, then yeah, you might have some of these, um, health issues later on. Is that what you have seen with some of the workers that you work with? Yeah, and I would say, uh, going back to heat, that, that is especially where I see it, uh, because um, a lot of agricultural workers get paid uh, by the piece rate, meaning that they get paid for what they harvest or pick or, or cut, depending on, on what they're working on. Um, and they'll often keep working, uh, even, that, or even after they realize that they're thirsty, that you know, they've been sweating for a while. Uh, and not take breaks because they, you know, for them it means uh, having to stop and, and making money. But 
also stopping means that the person next to them is going to be picking whatever they would be picking so they're in essence competing against their own uh, co-workers and crew members uh, and I think uh, also for that reason sometimes they they don't recognize that they need to uh, they, they stop drinking water because they don't want to take restroom breaks so they uh, by trying to work harder and not take as many breaks they're also not hydrating as often as they should so that is a point that we that we often try to make with them. Just you know, drink water, drink drink often, um, drink uh, at least a water of uh, uh, at least a bottle of water an hour just to stay hydrated. Right, right, yeah. Um, it seems like that educational component would just be so important. Would be so important because health may not be, maybe it should be, but it may not be the top priority when. Um, when they're when they're out there and they're working and um, maybe not thinking about that. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I, I would say that um, farm workers don't get paid a lot. They don't have access to healthcare. Um, they often don't have a way to get around. And living in rural areas, there aren't that many healthcare centers where they can go to. Healthcare really just is it's one of the main issues for them too. Um, and then not being able to catch anything uh, early, uh, you know, so the screening, like that lack of access just puts a barrier on screening. So oftentimes they don't even find out about a chronic disease till, till it's like really chronic, <laughs> till it's uh, advanced. Yeah, yeah. Do you find healthcare providers aren't always um, kind of up to date on some of the risks of? farm worker injuries or farm worker um, hazards and, and, and risks? Um, I would say that I think one of the main things that need to be addressed is uh, um, getting healthcare providers to uh, change their mindset when they're treating somebody to also ask questions related to occupational health and hazards. Um, um, because we have heard from workers that, that go to a clinic and they come with rashes, but um, the healthcare provider uh, doesn't think to ask, but, oh, like, where do you work? And, and I think just asking, where do you work, might bring up a, a line of questioning and information that would lead to, like, oh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, may, maybe you got uh, exposed to something, maybe it's residue, and it might not be, but at least, at least we're covering all areas. Right. I guess kind of one of my um, last questions, what would you say are some of the impacts of the Farm Workers Association of Florida that maybe uh, are most notable? Um, um, I think it was in 2004, uh, we had an organizer in Pearson um, uh, who was very active and, and very involved. Uh, and he had been a farm worker himself. Um, his name was Alfredo Lena. Um, he he died in a, in an accident. His um his car collided with a train. Uh, but he had been working on uh, some time for some time on uh, for workers to be transported inside an enclosed vehicle instead of like a like the back of a pickup truck or anything that was kind of open air. Um, and then in 2004, a bill was passed that actually required in Florida for um 
farm workers to be transported in, in like an enclosed vehicle instead of being transported on the back of a pickup truck. So I think that that's one of the one of the biggest wins we've seen. Um, we have been advocating for for better heat protections for farm workers, and uh, OSHA is taking it up uh, this year as uh, one of its um, one of its tasks is to to come up with a set of protections that can be adopted across the board for for all workers exposed to heat. So um, I would say just the fact that that is being taken up now uh, is a win. And then earlier this year in the Florida legislature, we had uh, a, a state senator from Miami-Dade, uh, Ana Maria Rodriguez, in, uh, introduced a bill that would have provided protections for workers. Uh, that bill was really more about education uh, than enforcement. And, and it actually passed the agriculture committee um, but it, it stalled in the other committees, so it didn't pass. But that's the part that a bill like that has gone in Florida. So we're hopeful that it can be reintroduced, if not by her, by another uh, legislator. But we would like to see something like that passed uh, at the state level. Um, yeah, it does sound like advocating at the legislative level and trying to get better laws and guidelines in place to assist uh, farm workers. That's one of the big things that you can do to help, like you said, empower farm workers, empower workers, and kind of give them a, a bigger voice. And I think through legislative action, that's one of the best and most broad ways that it can be done. Well, Nessa, do you have any other um, things you want to talk about? Anything we didn't touch on? Uh, I would just say that, uh, that it's really important that we come up with some kind of immigration reform because I think that's the biggest barrier that farm workers face, um, just not being able to uh, advocate for themselves, even if they find a friendly environment, they don't feel safe uh, and confident advocating for themselves. But then we also have uh, people who are choosing to vilify immigrants and then that just creates a really toxic environment where they don't, where they don't really feel comfortable overconfident at all, just advocating for themselves. Well, Neza, uh, I just want to thank you for being on the Pi Center's podcast, Science by the Slice. If people want to get in touch um, or find out more about the association, where would you point them? Well, they can visit our website, uh, floridafarmworkers.org. Uh, they can also follow us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. Um, I don't know the exact usernames for Facebook and Instagram, but on Twitter, we're at, at FWAFL. Great. Great. Uh, well, Neza, once again, thank you so much, and I appreciate your time. Thank you, Philip. Appreciate, appreciate you. Appreciate the invitation. Science by the Slice is produced by the UF IFAS Center for Public Issues Education in Agriculture and Natural Resources. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Subscribe to Science by the Slice on your favorite podcast app and give us a rating or review as well. Have a question or comment? Send us an email to piecenter at ifas.ufl.edu. That's piecenter, all one word, at ifas.ufl.edu. We'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider sharing with a friend or colleague. Until next time, 
Thanks for listening to Science by the Slice.